This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 204 of the All Dolphins podcast. We are back in action after How was Orlando? Orlando was great. Uh, fun time for those who did not know. It's only your fifth time this year, though, right? No, it's my first time this year. That's my family. Oh, oh it's, it's 2024. The year just started, though. It's everybody's first time this year. When did they go? They went at Christmas time. They did not pass New Year's. Correct. It's their first time this year. Um, spoiler alert, my, my wife, really. I mean, the kids really, really, really love it. Um and it was my son's 15th. Actually, my son's 15th birthday is today. Happy birthday, Eric. I know in case you ever watched this at some point. Happy Go birthday. Go get yourself a driver's license, Eric. Just, just begin the process now. Not yet. Be a, um, be a man. Get a driver's what? license. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's a dude. He's a dude. And be a, be a, be a man. Get everything a in due time. Everything in due time. Yeah. Um, so we did not do a podcast on Saturday or Sunday. Let us begin with our history lesson uh, because we asked we asked the folks to comment on whether they liked those or not, and it was overwhelmingly in favor of like it. So I appreciate I like it too. I like it oh, too. Oh, and you know who reached out to me today? Who's that? By the way, speaking of history, Mr. Kevin Burnett. Nice. He's going to join us as a guest on the podcast? We'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss it. Nice. Nice. Um, I, if you if you're a Dolphins if you're a former Dolphins player and you enjoy the All Dolphins podcast and you'd like to join the show, um, reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at Omar Kelly and and we can have conversations because we do go over history lessons. We, we do. Can, me and I, I was thinking about it. Would people be entertained about me and Mr. Burnett squashing our beef? We don't really have a beef anymore, but you know, hope you don't have a beef anymore. It's only been what God. ten years, twelve yeah. years. He's coaching MacArthur High, and um, I, I would love to. I'm going to catch up with him. So, yeah. Um, nice. But let's go for the history lesson. We are getting into that era of the Dolphins. We are approaching the Bill Parcells era, and boy, do I have stories about the Bill Parcells era. There you go. We're now, we're now in 2004, which is before Bill Parcells, which is before Nick Saban. This was Dave's a, last year, right? It was Dave's last year, and it got off to all kinds of bad start even before the whole Ricky Williams incident when they named Joel Collier as the new offensive coordinator. And a month after afterward, he was no longer the offensive coordinator. And they named as offensive coordinator, despite having on staff some several very qualified candidates, including Mark Tressman, 
they named Chris Furster as the offensive coordinator in 2004 for the Dolphins. And that name should be very familiar with Dolphin fans. Yes, he kind of became very known to Dolphin fans some 13 years later. And then, of course, right before training camp, boom headline, whoa, Ricky Williams quits the team on the eve of the start of training camp. Dolphins, in a panic move or not, trade a third-round pick to the St. Louis Rams for Lamar Gordon, a running back from, I want to say, North Dakota State, who didn't really pan out. And then on top of that, I want to say that was the year they had a contract dispute with Adewale Ogunleye, who was a great defensive and pass rusher, wound up trading him to the Chicago. Oh, 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 Tama, 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 Tama. Tama, Tama, Tama. Jason Taylor was a great defensive end pass rusher. Owale Agulier was a good defensive end pass rusher. Because if you're going to say that, what would you, if you're going to say Agulier was great, what was Jason Taylor then? Hall of Famer. Okay. Great might be, okay, since I, I, and I rail against hyperbole, so I will check myself. Bad Allen, Bad Allen. Okay, he was a very good pass rusher. Can we give him very good pass rusher? Very good pass rusher. Very good businessman as well. Um, yes. And and but he, he basically they had a contract impasse. Wound up trading him to the Bears for Marty Booker and a draft pick. Um, Marty Booker, who was a solid, solid uh, wide receiver. Pretty much he was a number. Certainly not three. as impactful. Sorry. Personally, seemingly looking at the stats, was a number three. But well, if you if you hold on, the problem is with if you're gonna you can't get you anything by that season because the passing game was highly dysfunctional. Uh, and to make matters worse, second game of the season, I believe it was, or third game, they lose Larry Chester, who, as we discussed on an earlier podcast, was a stud as a run stuffer. And then because of that, and then because the offense was so dysfunctional, they opened it up to a quarterback competition, having traded a second-round pick to, to the Eagles for A.J. Feely in the offseason, opened it up for training camp competition. Jay Feeler won the job, but then they benched Jay Feeler at halftime of the opener against the Tennessee Titans when they were down 7 nothing. I think it was. The offense was booty cheeks in the first half, but they were only down 7 nothing. Make the switch anyway. Wind up losing the game 17-7. A.J. Feely starts the second game, I want to say, and then they go back to Feeler because A.J. Feely couldn't hack it. Offense is a complete mess the entire season. And then because of that, what opposing offenses all do is basically the game plan was don't turn the ball over. That offense can't beat a good Division One team, so we'll run the ball the entire game, which is why the Dolphins wound up being 31st or 32nd run defense because it's all opponents because they suck so bad. Start off 0-6, wound up to 1-8. Dave Wan said fired. Jim Bates hired as interim head coach. Does a pretty good job. Gets them to three and four in the final seven games, including what I would say is the biggest upset in Dolphin history. Bigger than beating the Bears in 85 because the Dolphins were a very good team that year. They were one and 12. They beat a 12 and one or two and 11 beat a 12 and one New England team that had won the Super Bowl the year before on their way to a second straight Super Bowl Monday night game wearing the orange jerseys. They won 29-28 on a fourth-down touchdown pass from A.J. Feely because Feeler was heard by then to Darius Thompson. But the final uh, result was 4-12. and 12. And 
let me ask you a question. You don't blame any of the demise on that season on Ricky Williams just deciding he'd rather smoke weed than play football? On on him bailing more so than that, yes, that more so bailing on the team on the eve of training camp uh, where he knew he was going to get suspended. I don't know what the original suspension was going to be, but him bailing on his team left him high and dry. But the mess with the OC to begin in the offseason and the mess at quarterback Remember, as we said in a previous episode, Jay Fiedler's one loss record in his first four seasons as Dolphin was outrageous. Yeah, that that seemed like a season. Also, you, you know, to not to carry on this conversation because this is this is probably going to be ten minutes. But after, and you can relate to this after covering this team for fifteen years, there's a very fine line of should we bring him back or should we not bring him back? And then when the players are leaning one direction and you do bring him back, oh, it's going to be bad. Always. It, it's it's going to be bad. And it, there was a specific team that I think this off – I can't remember if it was the Eagles or some team that said, okay, we're going to run it back. No, it was Dallas. It's like – you know, you, you're thinking to yourself, like, should they run it back? Is this team responding to this coach? And then they run it back, and you're thinking to yourself, this is going to be bad because player the team does desperate things like trade draft picks for players that they think can help them or they think can patch areas of, of issues or they think that can, can inject culture and hold it all together. And – those quick fixes, it's like sticking a chicken in the microwave and, and trying to cook it. And it's just going to, yeah, it's cooked. It's just going to taste horrible. And I sense and feel a lot of that happening now. Like, With who? With who? Not coaches, but how they're going to have to run it back and put this team together. And you think that you can get by with one-year guys on inexpensive deals, and it's just not going to look the same. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more in the episode because, as as I project, the Dolphins are going to have to clear, and I'm being conservative, sixty-five to ninety million dollars of cap space in one offseason. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you two more quick examples of coaches who were brought back when all logic says they shouldn't have been brought back and how that they went. And one involves the Dolphins, and that was Joe, Joe Philbin. Oh, of course. That Joe Philbin. Back, back in 2015, it was like, why? And then fired four games into the 2015 who, season. Who, who are you talking about 2015? Who was that? Joe Philbin. No, no, no. Oh, oh. Um, oh remember okay. Yeah, remember yeah. At, the end, at the end of 2014 when they won to beat the Vikings late and Stephen Ross says, I have a Christmas present for you guys. You yeah, know? and the team absolutely just had tuned him out by that point. Yeah, and it's the same thing if you want to look at the Chargers when they brought back Brandon Staley after their epic collapse in the playoff game against Jacksonville last year. There's a lot of people at that then at that point were like, "Why are they bringing him back? Bring him back!" Boom, he's gone in the middle of the season. It's just usually there's a reason. Um, and is it possible? I, I mean, I don't want to put a hex or jinx on anything. Generally speaking, he's a good coach, but is is that what the Cowboys are doing with Mike McCarthy? Banging your head against a wall after a bunch of same results, hoping you'll get a different result next year. But I, I think Mike McCarthy is actually a good coach. And in fact, yeah. um, they put up these statistics 
uh, comparing Mike McCarthy to Mike Tomlin's career. And they were mirror images of one another in terms of record in the playoffs, one Super Bowl, win-loss record. And I and then and and it was Rex Ryan who was making the case. And if you can find this on 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 social media, I encourage you to. It was Rex Ryan who was making the case. Here we are putting one coach in the Hall of Fame and running one out of town. And they've done the exact same thing. And I thought to myself, Rex, you have a phenomenal point. Except as somebody who follows the AFC very closely, and you can't help follow the Cowboys because they're in your face every other week. I, can, I would make the argument that McCarthy's had a hell of a lot more to work with than Mike Tomlin, particularly since Ben Roethlisberger retired even before that when he was yeah. a show of himself. Even before that, Ben was was a dud for two years. Correct. And they still found a way to win. And then you look at this Steelers team. Did that look really like a playoff team? I mean, sorry, no. Uh, no, no. And then last year. But, 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 but hold on. You what? saw him in a playoff game without Watt who is arguably and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about even, even down the stretch. I mean, they barely beat Baltimore the last game of the season when Baltimore's resting half their team. I mean, let's be serious about this. Hey man, Baltimore's a real serious team. No, no, no. I know that, but not, not when they're resting Lamar Jackson and Madubuike and all their good players. I mean, yeah. So, uh, okay. You mentioned Baltimore being a really good team. I guess we'll address very quickly the playoff games this weekend and then move on to, Dolphin stuff. Um, nothing overly surprising. I thought this was a year of the Bills, even though the Bills are not as good as they were in 2021 is when they completely messed up, had their shot, the 13 seconds game. And then they would have had to beat Cincinnati at home in the in the EFC championship game. And then they would have played the Rams in the playoffs. And then to me, that was their shot. And they blew it then. And it could it be that maybe this was brought up that the Bills have maxed out where they're going to go with their with their head coach. One of those situations, and mm. and they're hold on, there are coaches like that, Marty Schottenheimer, and it wasn't you, do, you change it and you start all over. It's you got collateral loss. Do you really want to do that? Do you? I I hear where you're coming from, but just because you can't be Patrick Mahomes, and I say this to the Dolphins as well, just because you can't be Patrick Mahomes, that doesn't mean you're trash. No, like, they're not trash. By the time Patrick Mahomes retires, he'll probably have about five rings and have spoiled the season for a decade, if not two, of mm -hmm. NFL teams. He's that good. And, and the and the other fact that we could the other point we can make is it wasn't like it was a blowout. Uh if if Josh Allen sets his feet better on the third down, the second down pass in the end zone, he had the dude open in the back of the end zone. That's just a poor throw. Um and then, how are you watching? So, are you watching this game while you're at Disney World with your family, sir? We had gone back from from our trip at the park, so I watched the end of the game. And even if the kicker, the part of the kicker, putting the loss on him, if he makes that kicker, does anybody really think that Mahomes is not driving down for a game-winning field goal with a minute forty-three left? I mean, let's get serious here. <laughs> See, and now you know what I define an elite quarterback as. I always say this, you know, when you're an elite quarterback, give you a, give you two minutes, no timeouts down by three. What's the opponent's fear factor? Uh, if, if they're not, I mean, the dudes, are, I mean, the dudes an all timer right now, you might, you could, you wouldn't, you would tell, make a case. And I wouldn't even say 
bark at you if you say he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I know Brady's got all the longevity and all the rings and all that. The dude's been in the league six years, and he's been to the AFC Championship game six years. Sorry, he's been there seven years, but the first year was sitting behind Alex Smith. Every yeah. year's in the AFC Championship game, and it's not always because he's surrounded with this all this no. talent on offense. Sorry. They do have talent on offense. The interior of the offensive line is great. Their tackles are mediocre at best. Their wide receiving core, wide receiver core is probably the worst in the NFL. average. So yeah. what? Probably the worst in the NFL. It's extraordinarily average. I mean, some being polite. Um, Pacheco is a nice back, but the dude, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is. So is what, what do you think about the other games? Um, well, Baltimore. They're just they just flexed on them. I, I didn't see that game, but from everything I've read and heard, I mean, yeah, they, they got tired. Okay, Houston, you okay, fine, you can stay in the game. They stopped playing with their food. I'm gonna stop you around a little bit. Uh, yeah. I did watch. I see, saw the end of the most of the second half of the Green Bay Frisco game. And by the way, yes, Jordan Love's still gonna be a stud, even though he made a horrible, horrible decision on the game clinching. I don't want your arm queen excuses. Like you just what? you you, Why, you where's, where's the arm? Okay, last 10 games, that bad performance aside, 23 touchdowns, three picks. You know what arm, queen, you know what arm queens, what these arm arm quarterbacks do? They think their arm can always rescue them. And, and, he'll, and he'll learn that. By the way, Josh Allen has kind of learned that, hasn't he? No, he hasn't. He's not going to change who he is. He's okay. always going to be that quarterback. And he's okay. always going to run in the playoffs. That's, what I, that's the one thing that I take away from the playoffs. These athletic quarterbacks, oh, they're running in the playoffs. They're taking off. They're scrambling. They're good for a good 70 additional cheat yards, and that's what I call them, cheat yards. And there's nothing you can do about it. No benefit for them to run in the regular season. Oh, right. but they're scrambling right. in the playoffs. Yep. And, 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 and there's nothing you can do about it. And I had this conversation with a player recently who basically was just like, yeah, man. We gotta get us a scrambling quarterback. Not a word from you. Don't even don't even say anything. Cause that's the way. And I and and I thought to myself, like there are five of those guys in the NFL. Five, and two of them suck. In 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 Murray, Kyler Murray, and and um, Justin Fields. Like so, ordinarily overly harsh, but okay. Two of them are mediocre. It better. You feel good. You feel okay with that one? Uh, inconsistent. Uh, overrated. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I, I, I don't want anybody is I don't know that if anybody's rating Justin Fields other than his ceiling. And Kyler Murray is extraordinarily inconsistent to me. I, but there, there are games when he's on, that dude is like, yeah. Damn. But okay, I, I would just rather him be learned to be a traditional quarterback. He, dude, uh, he's five three, and I mean, seriously, he can't be. He's not five three. He's five eleven. As is two, as is Tua. If you think Kyle Murray's five eleven, and I'm six six, I mean, I, I've, see, I've seen him in person. He's taller than me. He's five. He's five eleven. He's legit. I've I've seen him in person. Yeah, 
He's legit 5'11". He's not he's not that small. He's legit 5'11". Um he's okay. literally probably the same size as Tua. And it you know, and I'm curious to see. I don't want he's going to be on the trade market, not interested, wouldn't touch it, not for that contract. Now I will say I would mirror the contract I offer him. I would for Tua, that's the contract I'd offer you. Kyler Murray deal. You're looking up heights right now. I know you are. Uh, Murray's listed at 5'10", 207. Yeah. Two was listed at, what, six feet? No, actually, I think he might even be listed at six, one, and he's not six one. Two was listed at six one, two twenty seven. You know they don't lie. He's not six one. Okay. Anyway, we're not going to We're not going to nitpick to his height. No, correct. Correct. That's beside the point anyway. Yeah. Um, not part of the conversation. But the athletic quarterback, the scrambling, um, Props to Detroit and Dan Campbell. I say this all the time. When Dan Campbell was here and he was the interim coach. I had a tremendous amount of respect for him and what he did, what he accomplished. And I saw the upside and I said, in 10 years, you're going to be a good head coach, but you're not ready right now. Um, my biggest takeaway with coaches is always, can you put together a quality staff? And at that time, Dan Campbell could not put together a quality staff. Now he has, and there were a lot of people who criticized his staff because it was filled with too many former players. And I made the argument, and I still stand by this argument, and I still believe in this argument. Ten years from now, when half of the league is DeMarco Murray's and Antonio Pierce's, and um, who just got another? Who just got a? Oh, 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 Gerard Mayo. Huh? Who's he coaching? No. uh, the, the Houston oh, Tech- Ryan's D'Amico Ryan's. Yes. I'm sorry. Former, f- former players. When half, when, when half the league is made up of former players and then their staffs have former like players, when, when they finally break the glass ceiling and, and actually let players coach the positions and coach the people that they played and cause they know, and, and these mathematicians and statisticians and, and computer science geeks aren't stop running NFL teams. Yeah, I said that. Oh, no, I know you said it. I, 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 said, I said it. I ain't hiding from it either. Um, make that face token. Yeah. When when the, the, the league will be better off. But what their fear is, is of becoming the NBA. And I get it. And I understand it. But you know what? You better, you better figure out what the next wave is. And I think there are some teams that have figured out what the next wave is. Doesn't know, it doesn't mean it's going to guarantee success. Um, to me, it's just like the the glass ceiling that that had to be broken on african-american quarterbacks okay Uh, let me address what you said one thing you said though i am with you i when dan campbell was interim head coach he interviewed in 2016 they gave the job to adam gase instead and to me it was like he's got future head coach stamped all over him i don't buy i'm not i don't agree with you about the ability to put together a staff because he has, he had all types of Bill Parcells related connections from his he days did. with the Cowboys. Um, but so I, I want you to do it on your own, not because you're propped up by Bill Parcells. Well, however you do it, to me, there's zero chance he didn't have the ability to assemble a good staff. The question with him was always game management, maybe X's and O's in terms of being a head coach. And we saw that his first year at Detroit, he made a lot of questions where people were like, what is he doing? And, but, that team played hard from the start. 
I mean, mm-hmm. they played hard, mm-hmm. and you knew that because that guy was like, when he's talking about biting kneecaps at the first press conference, those who covered him, those of us who covered him in 2015 with the with Dolphins were yeah, like, that, that's him. right, that's him, that's what him. Did, what did he do? First day as interim head coach, did, did, did the Oklahoma drill. Yeah, that's that's exactly who he was, and I'm I'm proud of him. I I think I will be rooting for even though I everybody knows I fundamentally believe in the 49ers and the brand of football that they build and and how they play. I will be rooting for the Lions because of Dan Campbell and because of his staff. Um, but yeah, I, I I love the way the San Francisco plays because their roster is stacked. I mean, it's just they can do it. Although. I think there's some concern about Debo Samuel for that game, even though I don't think that's going to make a difference. I think San Francisco is just too good top to bottom, but props mm-hmm. to the Lions for making it that far. Very happy for Dan Campbell. And I absolutely will be rooting for them. If that's, if I'm allowed, by the way, I, I think I have to ask permission. Um, it's well, No, I got crucified for rooting against the, for the bills against the chiefs because I'm tired. I am tired of seeing the chiefs in the AFC championship game. Like I put on Twitter it's now 13 straight years. It's either Brady or Mahomes in the NFC Championship game. So, so I take it you're going to be rooting for Baltimore. Huh? Absolutely, bro. And I love Lamar Jackson, too. And I, do. I don't know if I had those conversations with at the time. I couldn't say anything publicly because I was writing for the Dolphin website at the time. But I yes. wanted Lamar Jackson, and I wanted him bad. And it wasn't um, going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. You, you knew the head coach was not interested in coaching him at all. Nope. But I also knew what I saw of him at Louisville, and I don't care if his style is, wasn't NFL prototypical. What I saw at Louisville was a dude who was toying with the opposition. Listen, Michael Vick birthed a new generation of quarterbacks, and before him, Randall Cunningham did. But it's you know, it and maybe the next wave will have ten athletic quarterbacks and not just five. But it, I'm I'm very proud of where the NFL is, and and to get continue to point. I think coaching is the next barrier. Coaching is the next wall that 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 players have to break down. Um, but let let's get into this uh, Dolphins and this offseason, the Capocalypse, which is okay, oncoming. Okay, one, one last point. One last point about those playoffs. Yeah. Is the Dolphins are going? Dolphins are going to have a fun time over the next couple of years because those there are a lot of really 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 good quarterbacks in the AFC, and they're all pretty young. Anyway, now we can move on and. It's not and including the time. Dolphins who have one of those really young and really good quarterbacks as well. Except he's clearly a notch below those guys. And if you can't admit that, I, can't I can admit that. I can admit that. And he's that, not a notch below CJ Stroud, but he's a notch below the other three. I, I would feel better. I would feel better about CJ Stroud's future than I would about to his future. That is fair. Uh, um, and that's and that's the issue that if the Dolphins if do not get that next level of quarterbacking from two or somebody else, they're going to be looking up, looking from the outside every year at this time of year, every year. And it's not helped by the fact that Omar, you go ahead. The Capocalypse is coming. Um, I, I have spent whoo, um, good bulk of the last, uh, all of Alan Poupard's vacation doing my work and doing my breakdown. If you look on alldolphins.com, you will find an offensive and defensive roster breakdown of what's on the roster, what's signed for 2024, along with what here are the players that are free agents and each position analysis. I will make the argument to you that there isn't a position that doesn't need to be touched outside of quarterback on the entire roster. 
and I explained to you in the analysis. And then uh, today on Monday, I put up what's called the 10 tough decisions the Dolphins must make before the 2023 free agency. And here's what's important that you have to keep in mind about these decisions. You know the Dolphins are over the cap already. Right now it's 52 because you got to factor in. And people are like, why does the number keep going up? Well, sir, um, every person that you add to the roster and the Dolphins have to add future contracts and roster filler, those players count. Therefore, you have to continue to purge just so that you can get to the starting line at baseline where you need to be. And so it gets deeper with that. And then and then playing time escalators. Players who have vested experience who are on minimum salaries or minimum base salaries or young, inexpensive rookie salaries like Cater Kadu, Kohu, if they play a certain percentage of the snaps for the season, they get their salaries escalated higher. And that factors into your cap. So now the Dolphins are $52 million over the cap. Um, and that doesn't even factor in the 19.8 that you're going to need to have to use on Christian Wilkins, just in case that you do not are able, not able to work out a multi-year deal with him before the franchise tag deadline, which is March 5th. So you have to make sure you have this $19 million. So 52 plus 19, and then you got to save a little bit of money for the rookie class, but you worry about that later because when you cut Xavier Howard, you're not going to get all that money back and you'll get it eventually. Um, but you are going to have to have a lot of tough decisions. And I want to run some of these through with Alan Poupard and get him to give his judgment and decision on how the Dolphins should approach this. Here's now, one, go ahead. Because you mentioned Christian Wilkins. Yeah, that's our first one. Well, our here's the thing. Here's the thing. From a football standpoint, it's a no-brainer. Duh, you resign them. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that the Dolphins are going to swallow hard and be like, we just can't make it. We can't. We can't. We can't afford another 19 million. Because remember, as Dolphins need to get to that. <laughs> top level, yeah, top fifty-one by you March. See on my you see the smile on my face. You know why that that smile's there? Because, no, I don't know. But is it possible that they might do that? Because you know why the smile on my face is there. You remember when Christian was begging you for a contract all off season? Are and, you happy? are going to get screwed because of it. And and you, and you played hardball with him, and he sat out all the training. He sat out all the training camp and trying to, you know, trying to try. He did the right thing, right? You will agree he did the right thing, right? It's trying oh, to get a deal done. Of course. Okay. And you played hardball with him. Yes, you did. And you offered him a contract that he felt was below what his standard of play was, correct? And you said, go out there and prove it, right? But here, here's do? the thing, though. Here's the thing is we don't know exactly what the demand was. We don't know exactly what the offer is. Oh. You're, you're yourself as it, the Dolphins' fault. I can, I, can I can tell you, I can tell you and, and, and understand that one, you know, me and Christian, we not friends. We not buddies. We not come compadres. Oh, um, so you're, the, you're the one on the beat. He doesn't like, cause he like, he loves everybody on the beat. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the one he's actually called me out in media. So I'm yeah. the one I will, I will, I will, I will sit on the stake for everybody. Okay. He found the contract offer disrespectful. 
So you take what you will from that is what I'm told. And they're going to pay a price for that. You do realize that, right? And right now, he's got you between a rock and a hard place because he knows you can't use that franchise tag. And well, you can, it just, it just, I mean, it squeezes even more and more and more. It, 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 it just, it will, it will, it will squeeze you. So you're going to give him what he wants, or you're going to use the franchise tag. You, you understand what's going on here? Dude, correct. No, I, I completely, and, but here's the, no, here's the thing. Or again, or you're going to make the very painful decision to let him, Test out the free agent market. They can't do that. Uh-uh, they can't do that. You let them test the free agent market. You say bye bye. You, you, they, you can't again, do that. You're gonna tell me? Are you gonna tell me there's a zero percent chance? He's not coming back. I promise you that. That's not what I'm saying. Are you saying that there's zero percent chance that the Dolphins will not do that because of their massively tight cap situation? Understanding he's a foundational. Pay- Player. That would be the dumbest thing that this franchise has done in probably 20 years if you let him test the market. And they're not that dumb. And and they know they know exactly who he is and how valuable he is to that team and to that locker room and to that culture. They're not they're they're dumb. They're not that dumb. So there's absolutely zero chance Christian touches the market. Okay, then then here's the other point that needs to be made. Is that even if they do come to a contact contract agreement before March thirteenth, mm-hmm. um, right now he's on the book. No, it's got to be March fifth because no matter what, he's going to get the tag. If he's got to get the tag on March fifth, yeah, but they can replace the tag with a long term extension. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, okay, so I'm saying I'm saying before March thirteenth. Okay, okay. and right. whatever. Right now he's on the books for zero. So whatever they add, no matter how they they structure the contract to make it as less least painful as possible, it's still going to be a hit on the cap in 2024. I mean, right now you need to just project that you have to clear about 65 at a minimum, but really oh. 90 if you actually plan to sign any of your own free agents uh, or improve the roster. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how they operate and how they get this done. Christian, again, I told you, is the number one priority. That's the complex decision. Do you sign him to a multi-year deal in the five-year, 100 to $105 million realm um, that Quentin Williams and Jeffrey Simmons signed last offseason? And you, they're already, there's like seven defensive tackles that got money last offseason. And Christian wants to be above them all. Um, and Chris Jones is going to be on the market, so he's really going to set the defensive tackle market. Um Right, he's not, he's not getting Chris Jones money, but he, no, he's Aaron, not getting Chris Jones money or Aaron Donald money, and, and but he may want to be right next behind that. Yes, he's definitely looking for a top five defensive tackle contract. Um, the another tough decision, and 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 I I remember I felt like I wanted to write this, but I think you talked me out of it. Um, but I needed it because I needed to explain it to people because of the contract triggers that the Dolphins put into. Teron Armstead's contract when they gave him a big roster bonus and restructured his contract. Understand people when you do that, when you do that, there are consequences to it. And the consequence to Teron Armstead's restructured contract is his contract for this season is literally virtually fully guaranteed. 14.2 million dollars. 
And so I was talking to my cap guru expert and I had him to answer a question that Pupart had for me. What would be the retirement cap ramifications for Teron Armstead if he decided to say, I'm done playing football. I don't want to do this anymore. According to Mike's contract guru, it will be a $19.2 million cap hit because you have to take all of those cap charges. If he's, um, on, the, if he's on the roster on, on the third day of the league year. Uh, what? what? One of his bonuses kicks in if he's on the roster on the third day of the oh, league Oh, he's due five. Year. Yeah, no, no. It's the 16th. Yeah, the, the 16th, his whole contract becomes guaranteed. $14.2 million. He's already guaranteed $5 million. Right. And as my cap guru said, his agent would be an idiot if his agent didn't just tell him, literally, just show up for camp and get hurt and you'll get all of your money. And how easy would it be for Toronto Armstead to show up to camp and get hurt? Nobody. And the, the point that I'm making is, and this is the point that was made to me, there's literally nobody in the world who's walking away from $14.2 million. Nobody. So all of the people who think that, oh man, Teron's thinking about retiring. Teron's going to, you know, Teron might not want to play, but he going to show up for camp. So, so like Toronto show up for camp at 400 pounds. As long as he shows up for camp, he's going, he's going to be paid. Oh, and by the way, and, and for those who have brought this up, he's not tradable. Yes, he's not tradable. And really, there's no benefit contracts cap wise for trading him. There is. Um, not that anybody would take on this contract. At this yes. Point. So this is so you have to basically, you know, for everybody who thinks, man, Toronto might rescue us. Um, by walking away and retiring, no, it him retiring act is actually going to cost you four point six million dollars in cap space. So you need to say, Teron, please come back and play for us, sir, and we'll take you for your eight to ten games because it's better than taking an additional cap charge. Or maybe, or, maybe since Tua had his first fully healthy season this year, maybe Teron has his first fully healthy season next year. Absolutely. I believe, I believe that's possible. Um, th th that, that's another one of the more difficult situations. And then. Well, no, then we, Omar, it's not difficult because it involves no decision. Um, No, it does involve a decision. What's, what's the decision? Play nice to Tehran and encourage him and get him to be back in the fold and get him to believe and buy in that, that he wants to play football because. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not a decision. I mean, it's kind of a, it's an obvious, a, but, but everybody, everybody has this mindset like, yeah, we, well, let's hope Teron walks away. Like you just caught you hoping Teron walks away, just cost you $4.6 million in cap space along with what he was already going to cost you by actually playing. And then you don't have Kendall lamb who's told me I'm not coming back for the minimum at all. I'm not playing. I'll retire before I play for the minimum to quote Kendall lamb. And he mean business. If you know, if you if you if you're a Dolphins executive or coach, and you know that Kendall Land told me that, he probably told you that too. And you damn sure know he means business. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, even if Teron decides to walk away, what they decide to do at that position. But anyway, Teron is not walking away because, as I said, nobody's walking away from that much money. Um, and uh, let's get into some of these other tough decisions. 
you know how Chris Greer kind of teased that he, you know, there's no guarantee he's going to have that number 21 pick because, you know, you don't know what's out there and available on these streets. And it's true. He is always shopping for veteran players that could upgrade his roster like the Jalen Ramseys, like the Bradley Chubbs. As I've consistently said since Chris Greer's reign as the executive of the Miami Dolphins, top executive of Miami Dolphins since 2019, nobody has made more NFL trades than Chris Greer. So, uh, I looked. I looked it up. I've done the math. Um, in terms of volume, in terms of, of vo- big names. volume, 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 amount, quantity, okay. like Chris Greer. Well, Chris yeah, Greer. There, were, there were also a lot of them in 2019 when they did the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, resetting. Yeah. So, is there going to be a player out there like Patrick Sertain? Sertan, or I can't remember which one is it. Sertain. Sertan. Sertan. Sir, no. Sertan. No. He remember he corrected everybody who was saying it Correct. wrong. Correct. He corrected so Patrick, everybody from Sertain to Sertan. Okay, Sertain to Sertan. Okay. Correct. Um, what what are you doing over there? What, what's, what's I, I dropped something on the floor. I want to make sure. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. You get flustered so easily. We're pros here. Um. There is going to be something when you look at all these teams that are capped out. What do they have to do to get to get from being uncapped out? They have to trade players. They have to release players. They have to move the the, the Jerome Bakers of the world or Xavier Howards of the world or or some piece that's a a, a, a big ticket item. And Chris Greer generally starts shopping around to figure out what's that big ticket item and what can I get? What 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 can I? What will it cost me and what? how can I use it? And I have not gone through and combed through every NFL roster yet to find those big ticket items that are on the trade market. But what Chris Greer is basically saying and dropped hints voluntarily was that, yo, I can't promise you people the number 21 pick because that's not how I do business. So you but have it's to. All, but it's, all, it's also a case, sorry to interrupt, but it's also a case of, I don't want to say anything definitive because I'm going to leave all doors open. And also another point that needs. To- and, and he basically was like, call me, holler at me. If you, 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 you want to make trade, like give me but a ring. The other, the other point about those who may come on the market, we need to, to explain this are not guys who have high cap numbers now. Cause when you trade somebody, you, that you take that cap hit. It's guys who are looking for a big contract that the team doesn't want to play. I.e. Patrick Sertan is about to get a second contract. Correct. Exactly. Or Jerry Judy, who I also heard mentioned, and I've thought to myself, why would Jerry Judy want to be part of this or come here? Or well, because you don't dolphins have to get every single Alabama wide receiver. Yeah, of course. Um, I, I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me, but then again, you know, a lot but of things don't play, make sense. His play has kind of gone like this, and I know he entered the league with like a whole lot of fanfare. Maybe really you can get him for 70 cents on the dollar, but yeah, it's it, they, yeah. they do need a third receiver. I just don't know if Jerry Judy is that receiver, so um, it'll be interesting to see what 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 gets shopped. That's later in the process. Um, when 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 t- teams go to the senior bowl. Generally, they'll have backdoor conversations with agents and then they'll carry those on at the at combine and they'll figure out what asking prices are, what who's on the trade market, who's looking for a new deal, who's looking for a new home. And that's when Chris Carrera will do his magic work. And so. a lot of times those trades will be made before March 13th and then they will be officially announced because nothing can be officially announced in a, on a trade until March 13th. So there is time to figure those things out. But the bottom line is 
there are a number of major decisions and and we'll get into a little bit more of that later i think we've carried this episode on long enough but you know to balance the books you got to release xavier howard jerome baker emmanuel agba uh keon crossing and 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 making those moves get you to no Omar, hold on hold yes. on xavier howard doesn't get you anywhere until june 1st yes he doesn't but i mean yes i hear you but you still do you still do it because it buys you some time um it, it at least allows you to later on you can Later on, it'll give you a little bit more wiggle room, but he, he's not going to help the Dolphins get to the the, the salary cap limit. Yeah. March so 14. that's there's even more purging to be made, and we will discuss that on tomorrow's episode where we talk about the talent that will probably be lost when the Dolphins do begin the purge. So we will see you tomorrow as we continue to do our podcast. You know how to find us at alldolphins.com. You know how to find the podcast on YouTube and also any place you find streaming sites. That's Alan Pupard, a vacation. Looking a little tan there. Do you get a little tan? <laughs> uh, uh, things are more yeah. cold than anything else over there, actually. Absolutely. And I am Omar Kelly, and we will see you tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.